usually lets me, okay. Well, our last uh, podcast on seeking God in the whirlwind, and what we wanted to do this time was really reflect. Uh, we started this back in, oh, April. Yeah, it feels like we've been doing it all semester, but we haven't. I guess that's the influence of quarantine. Maybe our listeners feel like we've been doing it all semester. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but what we wanted to do today was, was we started off really you and I talking about two historians trying to get some perspective on this and, and how does history help us understand it. And now we've done uh, probably about eight or so interviews of, of various uh, people uh, trying to get their understanding, and we wanted to take some time just to reflect on what we've learned. Um, I think we've said it repeatedly during the process that this was, uh, we, it started off, I think, as something we wanted to, to help the community think through it, but I think we both spiritually grew out of the process. And I, I know personally, I, I felt like I almost needed to have these conversations with people. Yeah. Uh, might have had them with them, even if we weren't interviewing them, just to uh, help me process through this. So, um, so that's where we're going to head today. We're going to do our reflective piece. <laughs> yeah, which is a little bit of a, I don't know, purging is right, but it is. I think you're right. I, I didn't realize what I was getting into. I, I, I was thinking of this for the students and how to help them sort of navigate something that's unprecedented. And, and the more we did it, the more I realized it was my own heart that I'm struggling with and my own faith. And not, not my faith, and this, this goes to the point, Mark, I think you've come back to multiple times throughout this series, and that is, it's not just our faith and struggling with that, but it's then how do we actually negotiating these realities? I mean, it, because it's, it, at the end of the day, it's not just about strengthening in your faith, it's now taking the faith out into the real world and, and, and facing these problems or facing these issues and, and actually putting your faith to the ground and having it do something. And those two things together are very difficult. I guess I just, I guess I thought I, I had a better beat on that going into this than, than I actually did. I think negotiation is one of the hardest things we have to do. Uh, it's a difficult task. Uh, it takes a lot, it takes some abstract thinking. It, it's more than just memorizing a catechism and spitting out the answer. Uh, that's, that's what you do when you're five or six. Uh, when, you're, when you're 26, now you have to apply that to various tr situations. And I think what makes it really hard in the current situation is that one, uh, we're more aware of the fact, because we're more global, that not every Christian negotiates these, these issues the same way. On the other hand, because, and some of you will be listening to this via social media, social media has helped to polarize us. So very often people live in echo chambers so that they think everybody's negotiating exactly like them. Yeah. And then when they find someone who doesn't, they either unfriend them or they rant on their wall. Uh, and we've really tried to create a space where you don't, we don't have to agree. You know, we, right. We're just creating a conversation space where the body of Christ is wrestling through these things together. So it's, it's, it's somewhat avant-garde in the culture we live in today. Yeah, yeah that's right. And you know that, the interesting thing about our choice of terms, which I don't think we did initially, our, our, our whole goal in our podcast is this idea of navigator negotiating. How are we relating to the kingdom of man we live in, come from the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ. But the whirlwind really creates a whole nother problem in that it's chaotic. And it's one thing to navigate. I don't, you've, you know, you've driven in a fog before and the map can tell you exactly where to go, but the map in one hand and pairing through the fog looking for an exit sign or a road sign is a whole different matter. And yeah, the map's crucial to getting that right. But in the whirlwind, it's a moment-by-moment -moment decision sometimes. And 
being faithful in those things is really trickier than it sounds. And I, I guess some of us have gone through whirlwinds of our own kind, but to go through it culturally, the way we're going through it right now, it just, it feels more chaotic than normal. Yeah. And, I, and if I came back to another word through all of this, other than faithfulness and whirlwind and negotiate, it would be wisdom. Because mm -hmm. wisdom is really, and I, you know, I've, you've seen somebody work a piece of heavy machinery and as they go, it's, there's so many micro decisions that have to be made. The, the, the machine looks like it's just going smoothly along, but, but the person at the helm is just micro decisions and changes they have to make in order to keep the machine straight. And I, I just, I think that what I've gotten from this is it's, um, it's hard to be faithful in the whirlwind and it's hard to negotiate these things. And even if you say, we've been catechized, I know the truth, yeah. knowing it is one thing, but, but putting it on the ground and being wise in the whirlwind is another matter. Yeah. And, and I think that when, when I think of catechism, I think one of the challenges we wrestle with because of this negotiation between city of man, kingdom of God is if, you know, even if we were raised in a Christian home and we were catechized as citizens of the kingdom of God, uh, that's going to have some residual, that should have some residual yeah. effect in how we make decisions. But what if you weren't? What if you were catechized in the city of man and then you came to faith? Right. And now you almost have to, you're being re-catechized. And, and I also think that today we, we have so much, so many ideas, so many concepts, so much information thrown at us at such rapid pace. It, it's almost as if we have to continually be in a state of catechesis. Mm -hmm. Uh, to, to think that, and I go back to reading some things that Calvin says, and he says it in sort of cheeky ways, you know, that we will forget, hmm. uh, you know, we will choose to forget uh, God's faithfulness and God's, and what God's done. But I, I think that that's part of it. And that's been the difficulty here, right? The narrative has changed 25 right. different times in the course of a couple weeks, uh, yeah. just about the pandemic. Right. Uh, so I, I think that's been a really difficult uh, transition for all of us. Um, yeah, and you're right. There is, a, there is a sense in which we have to go back to basics, if we can say it that way. We do have to recommit ourselves to catechesis. I think that's a good thing to have learned. I, I think things I took for granted, I've been taking for granted. Um, now I'm having a tough time getting my, my fingers back on. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it, it requires all of those things. And I, I think I've been impressed by the people that we've had on and the way they've done it through situations and circumstances, I don't know. I don't know what it was like to be Ling on the streets of Hong Kong or Mark Farnham to go through kidney transplants and, and cancer or JL in Compton. I, these are experiences I don't know, but, but they have found a way to remain faithful to their catechesis, to the truth of the gospel. And you're right, they have not all taken the same path in negotiating their relationships with their communities, but, no. they, but they're catechized. They're well catechized. I, I, I think I was just impressed by the, the amount of spiritual knowledge, biblical understanding that came out of these folks. Yes, and, and, and that's, the, that's really um, the various pieces because I think uh, if you're, you know, I, I, do a lot of, I do a lot of cycling and you know, a headwind is a difficult thing to ride in. Mm. It can really tax you, it, ex it can exhaust you. Um, and, and even in, in cycling, you, if you ride with a, a team, you, you actually figure out ways to increase your effort by blocking and things like that. But whirlwinds, how do you, 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 you can't get into a phalanx and kind of protect yourself from a whirlwind because it's coming at you from, from multiple directions. Mm. And, and Dr. Ketis used a really interesting word and, and, and granted, we were talking about a lot of military generals and stuff, but he used that term, the fog of war. 
And we both have talked about that with our mm -hmm. students in, in war. But I mean, that is sort of the situation, right? There's a fog of war where you, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Right. Um, and, and there's where your lean not on your underst own understanding makes a whole lot more sense right. in the fog of war like that. So I, that's something I really benefited thinking through this with, um, with them. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And that goes, that goes to something else. And that is that I hope what everyone else heard in these conversations was the emphasis on faithfulness. And um, I think Ling had said it really well, and you were commenting on it that, that, you know, the, the Christian narrative a lot of us have bought into is that we're trying to get some big thing done and one big decision is going to solve. And when you're in a world, when you realize you just don't have control of those things, but you do have in the little things in your life. And this is what Jay, I was surprised that JL said it almost the same way when he said, look, look around you. And I think in, in all of the chaos right now, even socially and culturally we're going through, you know, I'm, I'm worried about what's going on in Minnesota. I'm worried about what's going on in LA but I've got a community right around me and can I be faithful with my neighbor, my church, my children? What Jail kept saying is, you know, what, what do you have, what do you have a conviction of? And that's, that's forced me to ask the question, am I, am I leaving the convictions God has given me to, to my tasks and responsibilities, you know, and, and giving up those cause I have to, I have to solve some major problem, but, but really, you know, God has called us to be faithful where he's called us to. And then, and then, and then it's not about solving the world win. It's about what little peace God's given you. Can I be faithful in that space? Yeah. It's interesting. You bring that up. I mean, maybe we're going full circle. Um, we, we talked about what it, in the beginning, we talked about what it means to be a historian and particularly a Christian who's a historian looking back in this and, and going through this process, uh, what I, in, in these conversations, one of the things I even brought to some of my doctoral students who are doing doctorates in, in, in church history, I said, why are you doing, who, who are you writing your, your papers for? Who are you writing your books for? Uh, who are you uh, doing this for? And of course, a good Christian will always say the church. Uh, and I pushed on that. I said, which church? The past, the present, or the church that has not yet been born? Hmm. And because if, if God's calling us to be faithful in the moment, it could be that the work we're being called to do isn't going to bear fruit That's right. in 50 or 60 years because something we did, someone needed to hear right. um, and needed to go through. Uh, and, and now it seems to make a lot more sense. Um, and, and so that, and I think that gives me some, some hope because I think you're right. We, we have this idea and the Christians have bought into it. Well, God's given me a calling and that must mean I'm going to change the world. Right. Uh, but maybe I'm going to write a very small book and because God's put this on my heart and I can't get rid of this, this desire to write this. And frankly, it's not going to make a huge dent in people's lives, even in my lifetime, but somebody's going to need to read this 50 years from now. And God's already worked that out. And that's right. kind of what, and so having an eternal perspective of time and calling and purpose I think the, 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 uh, going through an epidemic like this or a pandemic, because you could die. Yeah. You know, you can die. It's a yeah. hundred thousand people in America die. Yeah. Um, and not all of them were um, about to die anyway. And this just put them over the edge. Right. Uh, so I, I think you're right. I think it's, not, it's helpful. That's huge, Mark, because I, I, I think where the, you know, when we started this talking about city of man, city of God, I saw them as overlapping in one sense, not magisteria, but, overlapping but the point is the city of man is only a context of the city of god right it's only the arena in which we serve the eternal kingdom and 
I think what's happened to me in my own realizations is that I had mistaken the two, that I, I'm pouring my efforts into getting it right here, whether that's this country, whether that's the institution I work for, whether that's my family's health, whether that what their future, but all of that is temporal. None of that is guaranteed. And none of it is, I mean, it is eternal. It has eternal consequences, but those themselves are not eternal things. LBC is not going to be here. Um, you know, America is not, these are all temporal institutions, temporal things. So, so it's not that we don't serve the world. We serve in the world for a kingdom that's beyond that. And then all of a sudden, little, like, I think you're exactly right. Little being faithful in little things then is something that's valued because at eternal purpose, because God is sovereign over this world. And, if, and that's what I got from, you know, JL kept saying, what are your convictions? He just said it at random spots and it just stuck with me because if that's the conviction, I don't have to worry whether that doing that or serving in that way is going to solve any problem at all. But right. if I'm doing this in service to my King for his eternal kingdom, it's not in my hands to make it work. We, we, we seed, we water, Christ brings the increase. But I, I think we flip that around. I think, we're so busy trying to get the increase that we forgot to water and yeah. we forget to plant. You know? yes. yes, yes. No, that's a great point. And we, and I think the, the other piece of this too, that, that, that came out for me anyway, was that um, there's the two hopes and there's a tension. There's a paradox here where yes, we know we will not attain a defeat of, of all viruses on this right. side of the eschaton. But that does not mean we don't seek the good of the city. Uh, yeah. It does not mean we don't help the suffering. We don't comfort the suffering. We don't try to arrest the problem. Right. But we can do it with a hope knowing that, one, this is a bigger, this is a bigger fish to fry than what we can probably pull off. Right. Uh, and that God has eternal purposes that go beyond that. And not in it. And I think one of the things I was impressed with too, is I think sometimes in, in, in calamity, we can speak Christianese mm -hmm. and we give trite responses that should be in some sort of like Christian Hallmark card, but don't take a lot of emphasis, you know, sort of that, well, I'll pray for you, but that doesn't really mean anything, right? It, it can just be a, a throwaway line. I felt like the people we, we spoke with, that really wasn't the issue. 